your anointing this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, for those of you who are in my Sunday school class, I very rarely get to a lot of scriptures, but today I'm going to perform a miracle. I'm going to get through a lot of scriptures. If I don't, then we're going to be in trouble. So when I mention the word fear, what comes to your mind? What is it in your life that you're afraid of? There are a lot of different things that's on each one of our lists. A lot of those things are determined by how old we are. If we're a a small child, maybe we're afraid of that monster we think is living under the bed. Or maybe the monster that's hiding in the closet. If we're a little older, maybe Andrew's age, maybe he's afraid that maybe the girl that he might like might not like him back. (laughs) Or maybe it's a a test or something that uh, he's scheduled to take and he's kind of a, a little, maybe a little afraid maybe he won't do as well as his mother and dad would like him to do. When you get a little older, then the things that we're worried about or we're afraid of is that maybe we won't ever be able to retire. The way things are going, the way that money situations are, and the prices keep rising and rising. So if we're older, then maybe that's our fear. So that depends on the list that we have. But whatever is on that list, I'm here to tell you, that is what the devil is going to use to get to you. In Job 3.25 It says, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. The worst things that we are afraid of is what the devil's going to use. So we got to know that right up front. So whatever we're afraid of, the devil's going to use. So if we know he's going to use it, then we've got to do something to make the devil not be able to use that against us. And sometimes we create a lot of things that we're afraid of. We make wrong decisions, and like I talked about last time in in storms, that sometimes the trials that we live in or we go through are of our own making because of bad choices that we make. If we overextend ourselves in our finances, then we have the fear of wondering if we're going to be able to pay our bills. So we need to know that. And the funny thing about fear, it's contagious. It spreads like wildfire amongst people. If somebody back there yelled, We'd either run or we'd have a revival, one or the other. Those are the only two things that would happen. I'd like to think it would be a revival, but most of the thing, when people scream, then all of a sudden the first response that we have is to run. So it's contagious. David was the only one that wasn't afraid of Goliath. When he was ranting and raving, the whole army of Israel, they were afraid, and they were quivering in their tents, and they were afraid. But David wasn't, and he faced the giant. But you know what? Faith is also contagious. After David faced Goliath, he killed Goliath, then all of a sudden faith rose up in the camp of Israel, and they chased those Philistines all over, and they killed a bunch of them. So fear is contagious, but faith is contagious. So when we have faith, our faith can be contagious. But if we walk in faith, and we live in faith, and we come, in, come to church, then that fear can be spread. Like it, it's a terrible disease to catch, so we don't want to get it. After 9-11, we live in a different world since 9-11. But amazing thing happened in 9-11. Patriotism rose up in the people's hearts. And all of a sudden, we've seen these flags all over the place, and people were, were very patriotic, and, and anger rose up in our hearts. And, and we said, hey, we weren't afraid. We were mad. Who gave them the right to come to our country and, and do this to us? Who gave them the right? So we, didn't, we weren't afraid. We had patriotism, and we were angry. 
And we need to realize that the people that flew those planes into those trade centers, they're called terrorists. All they do is instill terror. Why? Because the ter terror destroys people. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Satan is a terrorist. One of the worst that we'll ever face in our life. I've got this little thing that I've had for a number of years. I don't know whether you can see it or not. It's a little devil on a little pencil holder. And when I'm going through a lot of things and I get, you know, I, I realize that the devil's doing it to me. So I just kind of <laughs> take that just to remind me that, hey, I've already got victory over him. Pastor last week talked about the devil being under our feet. And we have victory over him because Christ gave it to us. The problem is we keep lifting up our foot. So we got to remember to keep him under our feet. But after 9-11, the churches were full. People were seeking God. And, and we were a nation under God for probably a long first time in I don't know how many years. But see, the problem happens is that pretty soon the fear subsides or the uh, patriotism, it kind of dies down. And those things happen and the anger kind of goes down a little bit. And then as we see more things on the air or on the news about bombings and people dying and all of a sudden fear started rising up in our hearts as a nation. And fear is reigning in America today. To eliminate fear, we have to replace it with something else. You want to see someone that's replaced fear, you just watch a mother when her kid's in danger. That woman can be 90 pounds dripping wet. And face a guy that's seven feet tall, weighs 300 pounds, and it don't matter to her. She ain't got no fear in her at all because she's worried about the protection of her child. And it doesn't matter who they are. And that's what we need to do. We need to replace our fear with something else. An anger against the devil for, for causing us all these problems. An anger against everything that's going on that we don't like. We need to let that rise up in us and, and, and eliminate the fear. We don't need to be afraid. We live in a society that we don't call it fear. We call it phobias. That sounds a little nicer than fear. We have a phobia for names that I can't even pronounce. The only one I can really pronounce is arachophobia, and that's fear of spiders. But there's fear of heights. There's fears of being locked in a, in a closed space. There's fear of leaving your house. There's all kinds of fears out there that you could probably even not even imagine that people are afraid of. People are probably they're afraid of wood or something. You know, There's all kinds of fears out there because we, we're a nation of fears. And there are some things we need to be concerned with. There are uh, times and there are real concerns that we need to, be to deal with, but we don't need to be, to be a phobia of it. We need to, uh, if you're allergic to foods, certain foods that are gonna, you know, could kill you, we have to have a concern that you don't eat those kind of foods. If you're allergic to bee stings, of course you've got to stay away from bees. So there are some legitimate things that we need to do. Uh, a few years ago there was a movie out called The Panic Room. I don't know whether any of you you saw that or not, and a lot of wealthy people have panic rooms. That's the place they run when something happens or they're afraid. Well, we have a panic room. As Christians, we have a place that we can run, and we can hide, and we can be safe. And that place is in Jesus. So all of us have a panic room that we can go to. The problem is we don't utilize it. We allow this guy to get us, and we don't forget to run to Jesus. You know, we run and hide. We need to quit justifying our fears. We say, well, we have a reason for it. And we need to be concerned. We live in a, a world where we have to take extra precaution, especially with our children. There's real danger out there. And we take those necessary precautions that we have to take. But then we have to just let them, let them grow up. 
You can't overprotect your children because otherwise they'll grow up to be non-functional human beings and we don't want that. And I'm, I know what that's like to have your child put in a situation like that because we live, lived through that very situation with our child. We almost lost him. So we know what that kind of fear is like. But luckily the guy was caught and he died in prison. Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't a Christian at the time. And it would have been so much easier if I'd have had God in my life. And then a few years later, that after we became Christians, our son took off. He was 16 years old. And for six, six months, we didn't know where he was. Now, if, as a parent, especially as a mother, man, that can be devastating to you to not know where your child is. We filed the you know, missing persons report and all those other kind of things. But what else could, we did everything that we could do. Now we had a choice to make. And we just sat down and decided we're just going to put it in God's hands. We're going to let him take care of it. Because we could either live in fear and let this destroy our life. How many people's marriages and lives are destroyed because a child's missing or a child dies or all these other kind of things because they allow that thing to destroy them. And we vowed we was not going to do that. So we turned it over to God. And every time fear rose up in our heart and we started worrying about these things because of what had already happened, oh, is he dead? Is he alive? You know, because you can, we can think about, you can start thinking negative things and you're going to have a whole bucket full of things that, that could happen. So we decided we was going to turn it over to God. And we did. And six months later, he came home. Thanks, thanks be to God that he did. But he came home different. He wasn't the, uh, near the obnoxious little rebellion twerp that he was when he left. God had changed him. And now all of a sudden, this kid that people swore was going to be in jail and in prison behind bars for the rest of his life. Well, he is, he is in jail, but he's working in the jail. So I guess God kind of got the last you know, laugh on that one. <laughs> so he can work things out. We need to, to quit justifying our fears. We need to face them, and we need to turn them over to God. There, a healthy fear isn't a bad thing. We need to be afraid of certain things and leery of them. Pain, fear of pain keeps us from doing Stupid things. You don't want to put your hand on a hot stove. You'll get burned. So fear of, of certain things keeps us safe. We don't want to do a lot of stupid things. Well, I did a lot of stupid things when I was a kid. I, you know, I got scars and bruises to, you know, to prove it, and probably you can too. And some of the things people do, I wonder, what is the matter with them? Aren't they got a brain in their head when you see what things that kids do? So we have to realize that some fear keeps us safe. Fear of getting a ticket keeps you from speeding except for that, you know, that five miles over the speed limit rule, you know. Fear of punishment keeps kids reasonably obedient to their parents. The reason our schools and our kids are in such a mess is because we've thrown God out. What do we expect? They go to school and we teach them that you've descended from animals, and then we're surprised when they act like animals. Seems kind of... What's the problem here? This is what you're telling them they are? Why not they act the way that you're telling them they are? But when we took God's word out of the Bible, I mean, excuse me, out of the school, we removed immoral behavior out of the school. And moral behavior keeps people from diseases. Fear of diseases keeps you in living moral lives. I wish they had a little more fear of moral behavior. We would have a lot of pro less problems in our society if they were afraid of the diseases that they can get. So when fear's gone, other things happen. 
But God's word out of the schools was the plumb bob. That was the moral compass that we had. And when we threw away the moral compass, that's why we have all the problems. Because it doesn't matter what I think is right. It doesn't matter what you think is right. But what God thinks is right, that is what's right. And he knows. And when we throw that away and we leave it to our own opinion, man does whatsoever is right in their own eyes. And that's where the problem is. Fear can keep us from doing things that we should do, like going to the doctor, because you're afraid of what the doctor might say. You're afraid something may be wrong with you, so you're not going to go. My stepsister just got out of the hospital, and she had to go in and have part of her colon removed because she didn't go in and have a little simple procedure called a colonoscopy. I mean, they're not fun to have. You sleep through it, so it's not that big of a deal. But because of fear, it kept her from going to the doctors. Instead of a minor little thing, it turned into a major surgery. And I don't know how it's going to affect her life from now on. So we got, we got a fear, fear that keeps us from doing things. It keeps us from witnessing to our neighbors. Now, that's a terrible fear to have. We have to overcome that fear because we want to reach out to our neighbors. And that's the bad thing about fear because it keeps us doing, th doing things that we should do. It keeps us, as Christians, from paying our tithes. If money's tight, we say, oh, man, I can't, I can't pay my tithes. I ain't got no money. What am I going to do? But when we do that, we're telling God, we say, I don't believe, God, that you are able to meet my needs. So I'm keeping this money back that belongs to you because I'm afraid you're not able to, to meet my needs. So fear keeps us from doing things that, that we should do. It keeps us from following God. It keeps us from raising our hands at an altar call. It keeps us from volunteering. We're going to need a lot of volunteers out here in this new building now that it's done. Are we going to let fear interfere with God allowing us to be used for, to, to, in that building out there to make a difference in this community? Fear will keep us from doing that. Some things we're supposed to fear. There are some things we're supposed to be afraid of. Matthew 10, 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. We don't need to be afraid of someone. If all they can do is kill this body, hey, I'm with God for the smoke clears. That's the reality of it. We're, on Wednesday nights, we're talking about the rewards that we have in heaven. And when he's relating eternity to our lives and when you look at life in that realm, you figure 10 cents, figure a little teeny dime in the relationship to a billion dollars. That's how short our life is. When you compare it to eternity, it isn't that long. So why do we want to spend so much time investing in this little dime of our life when it's going to be gone before we know it? It's just like a little vapor that's here for a while and then it's gone. But fear can make us live and dwell in this and be more concerned about this than to be concerned about anything else. When all we're concerned about is the things that's internally, we don't care about anything that's out here. And we let fear at every, every avenue get to us. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Have you ever met some airheads? We've all met them, haven't we? A bunch of airheads that don't, don't know enough to come in out of the rain? Well, Maybe this is their problem. The beginning of wisdom, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where wisdom starts. And if you don't get the start right, you're not going to end up right. Proverbs 16:6, 6, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Fear of the Lord keeps us from doing things we shouldn't be doing. So a good healthy fear is okay. 
We need that fear. We need to fear God. We need to respect God. We need to know that God holds us accountable. And God is with us no matter where we go. See, in the schools, if you, your kids, you don't always know what they're doing all the time. And when they go to school, when they're gone, you don't know what they're doing. But with God, and you inflict God into their lives, then all of a sudden God knows what they're doing all the time. So they can't get away with anything. And we can't get away with anything. And when we understand that and we comprehend that, then it changes our life. It keeps us from doing things we shouldn't be doing. If people were more in, in our political arena worried more about being caught for what they're doing, maybe they wouldn't be in the messes they're in. They should be afraid of being that if that's what it takes. Fear and doubt destroys faith. That's why it's so bad. Amen. And sometimes doubt causes fear. We know that from the Garden of Eden, Eden, Adam and Eve. Satan got them to doubt God's word. And when they doubted God's word, then they were afraid to be in God's presence. So the doubt created fear. And when we doubt God's word, then all of a sudden, when we come to church, we don't feel as comfortable as we were because we know we've doubted God. And we want to be comfortable in God's presence. We want, so we don't want fear to interfere with our life. Faith has the power to draw positive things into our life. On the other hand, fear has, a ten, ten, has the power to draw negative things into our life. Have you ever met people that are really, really negative? That everything they say, it's negative, negative, negative. Well, I'll bet if you talk to that person long enough, you're going to find out that they're, they're living in fear. Because fear draws negative thoughts into our life. And we don't want negative things going into our life. And the only way we can get rid of that fear is with faith. Amen. Hebrews 10, 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The just are, the, are us born-again believers who have accepted Christ into our lives. That's us. And we live by faith any way we're supposed to. We're supposed to live by faith. That's what his word says. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a, so of a sound mind. Almost dunked the microphone. <laughs> People who live in fear, they don't have a sound mind. That's the reality of it. When we live in fear, we're not thinking straight. We're making decisions based on fear instead of by faith. And our mind isn't sound. When we're afraid, we're not thinking clearly. If all we do is dwell on the bad things that are there, our mind isn't thinking clearly. They tell people when you have surgery or anything afterwards, don't make any decisions for X amount of time because you're, you're not capable of making those decisions. Well, that same thing happens to us when we live in fear. We aren't thinking straight. We're not thinking clearly. And we want to think God's thoughts. And we can't think God's thoughts until we... Think in faith instead of in fear. Fear puts us in bondage. Romans 8.15, this is the good news version because I like it the way it reads a little better. It says, for the spirit has given you, the spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and causes you to be afraid. Instead, the spirit makes you children of God and by the spirit's power we cry out to God, Father, my Father. Our kids, when they were growing up, they weren't afraid in our house. They could come in the walk right in the house, open the fridge, open the cupboards, whatever it might be. Why? Because it was their house. And we were their parents, so they didn't have to worry about it. But the neighbor's kids didn't do that. The neighbor's kids, you know, there may be a little leery. You come into the neighbor's kid and you come in and get in my house and start taking things out, you're a thief. <laughs> you can get in trouble. You can spend time in jail. 
Well, we as Christians, we can walk into God's presence and not have to be afraid. We don't have no reason to be afraid of God. We should be drawn to God because whatever's in our life that we don't like, God wants to get rid of it. And if we come to him, he will get rid of it. And if we're afraid, he will get rid of the, the, that fear if we'll let him. Luke 4, 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. He doesn't want us in bondage to anything. I don't care what it is. If it's something that you have to do and it keeps you in bondage, whether it's uh, drugs, whether it's uh, alcohol, whatever it might be, God doesn't want you there. And fear is a worse bondage than a lot of things that we can think of. So God doesn't want us in to live in fear. He came, he died to set us free. He said came to set the captive free. And if we're living in fear, hey, we're in captive. He come to set us free. So we need to decide if we're going to be ruled by fear or by faith. Now, I know a lot of us, we say, well, I don't really, I'm not really afraid. I'm not living in fear. I just, I just worry. That's just worry. That sounds, a, that's a little more politically correct. I just worry. Proverbs 12, 25 in the New King James says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Anxiety. Have you heard that word before? That's a very popular word because they're pouring out medication to deal with it by the ton load. And another word for anxiety is fear, carefulness, heaviness, or sorrow. And it causes depression. Well, no wonder you're so afraid and so anxious about things. You can't live your life because you're always afraid of something's going to happen to you. And we can't live like that. You can't live in fear because you'll have no life. God came to, gave us, to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. And how can you be happy when you're terrified all the time? Amen. So we need a revival in this country to get rid of the fear. And worry is the most useless thing that we can do. Amen. That's the worstest thing we can do. Because most of the stuff we worry about don't happen. And if there's something we can do about a particular situation, then we need to do it. Then you don't have to worry about it. See, that's the best. Either take action or turn it over to God and allow God to, to take away the fear in your life. There's a lot of things out there that we, we need to give to God. How do we build faith? Okay, if faith is the, is the answer, how do we build it? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We want more faith? Hey, put a little more of this in. Come to church. Listen to God's word being preached. Listen to uh, the Christian radio instead of some of the other things that you could listen to. That's what builds faith. Because faith is what's going to help us overcome any fear that we have. And we don't need to worry about it because if we got enough faith in us. Knowing God's promise, promises are true builds faith. The problem is we don't know what those promises are. We can't claim a promise that God gave to us if we don't know what it is. So we still have, we have to... Get to the book and find out what those promises are, and then we can stand on them. Romans 4, 20 and 21 says, He, which was Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was fully persuaded that he, what he had promised he would also perform. Now, Abraham had a lot of years to think about that promise that God had made about giving him a son. I mean, he was 90 years old. I mean, of course, first, my question, first question is, why would anybody want a kid when you're 90? 
I'm not near 90, and I wouldn't want no little baby running around the house. So I'd be the Sarah. I wouldn't be laughing. I'd be terrified. <laughs> You're going to do what? <laughs> so but because of that fear or because of that promise, Abraham walked in faith, and God granted it. And sometimes when we walk in faith, we're not going to get it right away. We have to be able to hold God accountable to his word. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be held, hold him accountable to his word because that says, I believe you can do it, and I'm going to trust you to do it. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his uh, commandments to a thousand generations. So having faith in God and trusting God and knowing his promises, it doesn't only benefit us, it benefits our kids. He says to a thousand generations. So what faith we have in God and what confidence we place in him and what promises we hold him to, it benefits our children. So if you want your children to be more blessed, then have more faith in God. Claim, read his word more, study his word, and claim it for your children because if you're patient and you persevere, God will honor his word. Psalms 27.5 says, For in time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And that rock that he sets us on is Christ. And he hides us in his tabernacle. We, he hides us in his presence. So we don't have to be afraid. But we have to know the scripture or we can't claim it. And then we know this one. Everybody knows this one. You've probably heard it every time something bad happens in your life. You get this one quoted to you. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Can't claim that scripture unless you love God. If you don't love God, the scripture isn't yours. God doesn't have to work it out for you. God doesn't have to work it out for your good if you don't love God. And if God has called you and you haven't responded... His promise isn't for you. He doesn't have to work it out for your good. But if you are called, if God called you and you said, yes, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior, and you love God, then you can say, no matter what happens in my life, God's going to work it out to benefit me. So I have that confidence. But I have to know that promise is there for it and claim it. Obedience builds faith. 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, to obey is better than sacrifice. We can't be obedient. We can't obey God if we don't know what his word says. So we have to read his word to know the things that we're supposed to do and the things we're not, spo we're not supposed to do. If I tell my kids to, do, to uh, clean their room and I come home and their room isn't cleaned, but they cleaned the kitchen, that isn't what I told them to do. I mean, I'm happy they did, did something, but they didn't do what I told them to do. So I'm not, I'm not happy with them. I don't care what they did. They didn't do this, they're going to get punished. <laughs> I told you to do this. This is what I wanted you to do. And obedience is better than sacrifice. But mom, this kitchen was dirtier. I thought you'd like that more. Well, it may have been. It may have been a bigger sacrifice for him to do that. But I don't care. This is what I told him to do. So God wants us to be obedient. Knowing God is always with us <coughs> builds faith. <coughs> Excuse me, I've written a drink here. When I was a kid, I used to watch scary movies. I know that, you know, none of you did that. And that's another thing we have in America. We're fascinated with fear. I don't understand it. We actually go pay good money to be scared. What's wrong with that picture? I mean, I'm already afraid of all these other things over here. Now I'm going to go there and be afraid of somebody 
jumping up from the back seat of my car or something and killing me or something, all kinds of things. And we watch these movies and we yell at the screen, don't go in there, because we know they're going to get killed if they do. But we do it anyway. <laughs> well, the, the movies, the script dictates what's going to happen in a movie. And fear dictates what happens in our own life. That's why it's so bad. It changes things that we would do. We, we aren't going to go do this because I'm afraid, so I'm going to go over here and do this. Well, God wants you to do this. Well, I can't do that because I'm afraid. But anyway, when I was a kid, I'd watch these stupid movies, and then I was terrified to go to bed. You know, you want to sleep with the light on. Not only that light, you want the whole house, light, all the house and the lights on. And then you want a, a ball bat, and you want a, whatever else that you've got by your bed. Why? Because you just got the daylight scared out of you. That's why. But if I had a friend that spent the night... All of a sudden, I wasn't near as afraid. Now I'm brave. Oh, you're afraid of that show? Didn't faze me. <clears throat> Didn't scare me. Because there's just something in knowing that you're not alone, that you can face some things easier. Well, in Deuteronomy 31:8, <clears throat> it says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, or be dismayed. So he's always going to be with us. And not only is he going to be with us so we don't need to be afraid and we're not alone, but he's going to go before us. So wherever we go, when I leave this place, Jesus has already been there. He already knows what that path's going to be. So he can, he can, if he can get me to detour around some of the things, maybe I won't have to deal with that situation. But he's going ahead of me. He's going to be with me so I don't need to be afraid of the monster that's in the imaginary monster or a real monster because he's going to be with me. And that builds faith and having that confidence and knowing that I don't have to go through anything by myself. We live in a, a lonely society, especially with some of the elderly people. They're lonely. They need some companionship. They need something. We get them dogs to help keep them, you know, company because they need, they need that. They don't want like to be alone. Well, God doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to... to have enough faith in him to know that he's just as real to us as any one of you are here today. That's what God wants. And when we realize that he is just that real to us, then we don't need to be afraid. One thing you may have never, ever thought about is that Jesus was never afraid. That's the reality. He was never afraid. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was weak. He was tired. He was all those things that we suffer in these bodies, except for sickness and disease and those things, of course. But those, those emotions, those where he wore himself down while he walked on this earth for us. But he was never afraid, even in the garden when they come to take him away. Now, I mean, we kind of understate that, but when the people came to get Jesus in the garden, it wasn't just five people. It was a whole army of people. Some people say there was over 100 people that came. Now, if I'm in a place and there's a, over 100 people coming with, with weapons and torches and stuff, you know, I'm going to be afraid. That's a natural response, but Jesus was never afraid. He knew they couldn't do anything to him outside of God's will, and he knew, <clears throat> so he wasn't worried. The disciples scattered. They were afraid. They ran, but Jesus didn't because he was never afraid. <clears throat> in uh, Romans 8.11, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That same spirit that Jesus had dwelling in him is available to us. So we don't have to be afraid. So we could stand in that garden with Jesus, not have to fear anything that went on. 
Because that's the very same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in us. And when we know that, we don't have to be afraid. What can men do to us? What are they going to do? Can't do anything God hasn't okayed. I may make some stupid decision, but God's going to use it for my good. So I don't have anything to fear. I don't have to be afraid. Fear is not from God. And if it's not from God, where is it from? <laughs> there's, only, there's only two. There's the, this little guy. And actually, comparatively size, I bet the size is about right, don't you think? <laughs> and it, this is how big the devil is, and this is how big I am. Amen. I'm wonder, wonder Christian or something. <laughs> something. Because that's how big he is. We can stomp on him. Take that. You got a problem down there? <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. Because that's the size that, God, that the devil is in us. Because we have that victory. We have that confidence. Fear is not from God. And we got to know that. 1 John 4, 15 to 18 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus' love is perfect. And when that love dwells within us and we spend more time talking to him and, and when we, he changes us into more of his image, then his love is going to radiate through our life. And we won't be afraid. A few years ago, they had uh, this movie called The Bodyguard. Love's long, long to probably some of you probably weren't even born when this movie was out. But in this movie, it was about this little, this little kid in elementary school, and he was always being picked on. So evidently he had money. So he went and hired a bodyguard, and this was this big, probably a guy pastor size, little kid like this. And the funny thing about that guy, after he hired that bodyguard, he had a boldness about him. You know, he went out there, and so he got to return some of the favors to those other kids, and he used to tease them. And they used to get at him, and then he'd run, and all of a sudden, he'd get right behind the bodyguard. <laughs> and what are they going to do? So all of a sudden, he didn't have to worry about anything. But you know what? Jesus is our bodyguard. And we don't have to worry about it. And we don't have to worry about anything coming, because anything comes to us, all we have to do is step behind Jesus and say, get him. Here I am. Neener, 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 neener. So we have Jesus as our bodyguard. So we can hide ourselves in him. And when we hide behind him, our fears disappear. That's the reality of it. There are 366 fear knots in the Bible, if you want to spend time and look them up. And maybe you need to. If you're living, you know, if you're living, going through something that's making you afraid, maybe you need to look up all those fear knots for all the reasons you should fear not. I am with you. Fear not or whatever it might be. There's 366 of them. And then you might get into some other scriptures, look up the word afraid, and find all those things that are in there about that to build up your faith so you don't need to be afraid. Because there's 366 reasons not to fear not. One for every day of the year and leap year in case, like this year, it was. So we have those there. But there are times in our life when it's an unknown thing. I know the first time I preached, and maybe you did too, got in front of people, 
you know, we weren't born to, you know, get up here and do these kind of things. We have to, you know, work our way into that. But we had to do it afraid. And there's sometimes, like George Meyer says, you do it, you do it afraid. It doesn't matter. Sometimes God isn't going to move the situation until we step out. Because that faith, knowing that, well, I've got all these promises lined up. I've got all these things going for me. This is what his word says. And now I'm going to step out. And then that's when the water moves. When the priest stepped into the water to go across the Jordan, he told them, stand in the water. And as soon as they stood in the water, that's when the water rolled back. But if they, had, they could sit on the sand and looked at that water all they wanted, and they could have cast out the water, cast out whatever it is, cast, speak dry, whatever it was, it wouldn't work. They had to be obedient to what God said, and then they had to step in in faith. And then when they do, that opened the situation. We need to know <coughs> that overcoming fear takes practice. You start with the small things in our life, and then you build up to the larger things in our life. Because I don't know what's going on in our life. I know, that, you know the things in my life that I have to deal with. But if I practice walking in faith, and I practice not being afraid, and I practice facing my fears, whatever they are, then I'm going to be able to overcome it because I'm going to get stronger. Whatever part of you you feed, that's the one that's going to gain strength. Is it going to be your negative side, or is it going to be the God that dwells within you? Now, I got this little thing that I got. It's Confessions for Worry and Fear. I got some copies of this uh, on the back table and kind of gives you a kind of a, it's a bunch of scriptures that are kind of put together that you can kind of quote because we need to start confessing our faith instead of confessing our fears. And when we do that, then our inner man, it just sitting there and goes up and goes, yay, 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 yay. So he likes it, grabs a hold of that because our spirit man just loves that. But we have to start confessing our faith instead of confessing our fear if we want to overcome our fear and we want to walk in faith. And it says, <clears throat> I am the body of Christ, and Satan hath no power over me, for I overcome evil with good. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Lord, your word and your spirit, they comfort me. I am far from oppression and fear does not come near me. I put on the whole armor of God. Satan, I stand against you. And any plan you have for me, for I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am victorious against mine enemies and against principalities, against his power, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. For I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, for my righteousness is of the Lord. But whoso, whatsoever I shall I do... I shall prosper, for I am like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. I am a doer of the word, and I am happy in those deeds. I take the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart that the wicked one brings against me. And there's a list of all those scripture references on the bottom of it. Now, if you just take that, or find, make up your own list of things, so you can start confessing some things in here that's going to be positive, confessing things that's going to drive away the fear in your life. And you'll find something amazing is going to happen. Your life is going to be changed and transformed. And God doesn't want us to live in fear. But the decision is ours. Are we going to live in faith? Or are we going to live in fear? Are we going to let this little guy give us all the problems that we face? Are we going to let him influence our life? Are we going to let him and fear dictate our life? Are we going to walk in faith? If your head's bowed and your eyes closed... I want to know this morning, maybe you never thought about fears and how your life has been influenced by them. But maybe you, as you're thinking about this and you're realizing that maybe there are a lot of fears in your life, 
and you just want to raise your hand and say, God, I acknowledge that I had a lot of fears. But from this day forward, I want to be able to face those fears. And with your help, I'm going to overcome them. And I'm going to start walking in faith. Let me see your hand. Okay. Okay. Lord bless you. Okay. Okay, now, maybe you're here this morning, and you don't know, Lord. Maybe fear has kept you from 